Welcome to the Only Dream Big podcast, starring your host, Donnie Bedney. Only Dream Big is a podcast where Donnie will share tips and experiences on different topics, such as acquisition entrepreneurship, human capital, and the future of the workforce. He is the president of PSP Metrics and has been in the assessment and human capital management industry for more than 15 years, with the goal of driving change through people. As your guide on Dreaming Big, let's hear from the man himself. Uh Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Only Dream Big podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Bedney, and I'm so, 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 so excited uh, to have Poppy McDonald with us today. Poppy, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me, Donnie. It's so awesome to reconnect. (laughs) It is. It is. It is. So, you know, one, thank you again, just, you know, as a guest today, you know, we like to start off just, you know, thinking through a little bit of your background. You can take us back as far as you want or, or as early in your life, you know, as you want. But I know that you've, you know, kind of played some really cool roles and actually run a, a pretty cool organization doing some amazing things now. You know, when you were, say, you know, at, at what point in your life did you really, you know, kind of did it crystallize, if you will, for you to, you know, be working with really amazing people, entrepreneurs, building businesses, all of that was that always an aspiration or is that something that kind of like i don't know just maybe came into existence somehow that's a great question so yeah i grew up in salem oregon i had parents who had me pretty young 19 and 20. they really weren't uh, expecting to have a child at that time like still pretty okay. young themselves and growing up and sure. uh, they really worked incredibly hard um, and had big aspirations that I would have a a great life. But I think for them, it was, they had talked to me about, hey, think about being a flight attendant or think about, because you could fly on an airplane and we had never been on an airplane. Um, And they they thought about, think about being a manicurist because they knew a Mm. manicurist who was able to support her family really well. And um, so I would say they wanted a good life for me. They weren't, we weren't, they probably weren't pushing as some you know, parents uh, do. And I just had this feeling of like, hey, I want something different. Um, I mm. want uh, to have an impact. And I wasn't sure what that was. I definitely didn't know what I wanted to be when I, I grew up. I had yeah. the great fortune of a, a friend's dad took me under his wing. And he happened mm. to be the uh, admissions officer at Willamette, which is a, a private college in Salem, Oregon. Okay. And really helped me think about applying to colleges and financial aid. And, and I was the first person in my family to go to college. Mm. And when I was at college, again, I had an awesome uh, mentor who, t- who took me under her wing, my advisor, a professor Liss. And she said, hey, for your junior year, think about going to Washington, D.C. and, and oh. do an internship and get that sort of job experience. I'm, I'm concerned that you don't know what you want to be when you grow up or what you want to do. <laughs> and I will say it was so surprising to me when I landed in Washington, D.C., and I had this internship with the McLaughlin Group, which was one of the first of its kind media roundtables. Mm-hmm. And I am just like pouring through like the day's news and I've got, you know, the, the news on. I'm pouring through the papers. I'm, you know, online doing research and I'm like, 
oh my gosh, this is a job. Like I could get wow. paid to yeah. be in feeling like the, the center of what's happening in Washington, D.C. and really cool. un consuming information and learning mm -hmm. and growing and then figuring out how to translate that to an audience in a way that they understand. And I was like, this is cool. I didn't know jobs <laughs> exist like this. Um, and at that point, I really started my strange meandering career journey, it would seem, but I'd say what connects all the paths is mm -hmm. taking complex information mm -hmm. and making it relevant to your audience. Sure. And then I think you said too, when did I get the entrepreneurial bug? I, I didn't have the entrepreneurial bug then I would say. So I that journey looked like I got my first job on Capitol Hill. I was a legislative correspondent answering constituent mail and helping explain what was happening in Washington. I was a press mm -hmm. secretary. And I think yep. the entrepreneurial bug came a little bit later where we worked together at Gallup. Got it. And yeah. I was applying for a role at Gallup in their healthcare practice. And then someone said, well, you may, given your government background, you may also want to talk to our colleague who um, is thinking about this world poll ambition of our CEO, which is like, we want to poll the world. And guess what? <laughs> Got to figure out a way to pay for that, right? That's not cheap. Like going to 190 yeah. countries every year, asking the same core set of questions. How would we pay for that? Who would the customers be? What would we charge for that? How sure. would we package it uh, in a way that would make sense? And so I got I got that entrepreneurial bug then. Yeah. And then that led me to a series of jobs, which were still about taking information, mm -hmm. packaging it and making it accessible to the public. Mm -hmm. And it leads me to, to media, led me to media where I worked for Politico and launched their first subscription business, yeah. went to Atlantic Media and for National Journal, launched their first membership model. And mm. then today I'm at USA Facts and we are not for profit. Um, so we have no, um, no motives about uh, making any money, but uh, it is a, I'd call it a heroic effort to take all of this government data in the United yeah. States that's technically publicly available incredibly hard to get access to and yep. make it available to the public in a way that's accessible and understandable so that we can empower Americans with the facts yep. and have government and voters start leveraging data again to understand like, is mm. our country headed in the right or wrong direction by mm. the numbers? And yep. how can we move democracy forward in a way that benefits all Americans? And wow. so it's a really exciting effort to be a part of. And I'd say we have there are 90,000 government entities in the United States of America. So we've got long runway in terms of <laughs> when will we run out of gathering this government data and making it available and usable. So yeah, yeah lots of lots of opportunity ahead. Well, I mean, so this is one of the reasons I was so excited about, you know, speaking with you today is just because I think that um, I would describe your background as really just an amalgamation of, you know, amazing opportunities that you've always been willing to, and, and frankly, brave enough, I think, to, you know, accept the challenge, right, um, and be the first uh, to do new things and to, and to even build new things, whether as an entrepreneur or, or entrepreneur, right? And so that is, uh, you know, so inspiring. Um, you know, how do you, I'm going to take us to down an in, in, in interesting path, I think, um, and, and uh, we'll, we'll start here. But, you know, as, as you've transitioned, um, you know, it, I think a lot of times for folks, it's, it's sometimes a struggle to know um, 
when is the right time to make that transition, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I remember uh, as we were getting to know each other, um, you know, that the, the timeline uh, where, where you were my go-to was significantly shorter than like what I <laughs> had, had wished or hoped it to be. Um, but you you had done some amazing things with our organization and got an amazing opportunity, which you felt like the time was right to explore that. And so, you know, t- speaking to folks a little bit about, you know, transitions to, you know, next challenges, if you will, any kind of, you know, tips, can you kind of unpack some of your, some of the ways that maybe you you go about evaluating, like, you know, what is the next challenge that you end up taking on? That's a really great question. I'd say I was really fortunate when the, the Politico opportunity came up that I had this great job at Gallup, right? I worked with awesome people who inspired me. I love the culture. And I wasn't in a place of, I've just got to leave this, right? So it wasn't like I was desperately seeking something new. It was like the right thing has to inspire me and excite me and mm. um, make me want to leave, like convince me to, to leave this <laughs> organization. And yeah. so in terms of the checklist I, I would look at, I would say is um, what is the, what it like in terms of the opportunity I was looking at, is there a market need that hasn't been served, right? Like, mm-hmm. is there, mm-hmm. do I believe there would be a customer demand for this? Is this something mm-hmm. that I would want? And so when Politico was saying, hey, we want to launch a subscription business, then we think there is content people would pay for mm-hmm. because it gets them, you know, inside of these rooms, inside the hallways of Congress that they haven't been in, and it could drive mm-hmm. how they make decisions for their business based on mm-hmm. what's happening in Congress. I was like, yeah. I could see that that would be really valuable information. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you see, is it differentiated? Is it unlike other products that you know to exist? Do mm-hmm. you believe it has value? Can you see like a, a customer base for that? Mm-hmm. And is it something that like you, I mean, I, I think we know, right? When you're part of a startup, starting something from the ground up, like you're yeah. kind of giving your life to it, right? Like there's not, yeah. um, simple hours of you started at this time, you end at this time, there isn't a full support staff, right? I, I was the first employee. So it's like, uh, need to build a list of potential customers, go do that yourself in your own spreadsheet, sure. right? Need to develop <laughs> a, a pitch about like, what is the value of this? Go do that yourself, right? I mean, mm. everything has to be done by like every job by that first employee. Need coffee mm-hmm. cups? I don't know. Go order them. Go buy them at the store. Like there, um, it was really about: Are you going to be willing to um, kind of do every job and mm-hmm. put your heart, soul, passion into building this thing? And if you're not really excited about it, it's not worth it, right? And yeah. yes, of course, eventually the staff comes, right? People come to help you do these jobs, but like mm-hmm. at the beginning, um, it's all you. So I think you have to be like, I am excited about that. I want to build that thing and I'll, I'll do all the jobs, right? So yeah. um, that's my checklist. And I felt that way about USA Facts too. Like yeah. when I got that call, I was at Politico, it's an amazing news organization covering politics and policy in Washington. Yeah. Um, it had, a, it was a newsroom of uh, 500, people. Um, and you know, some would say, why would you leave that to go be 
the fifth employee of USA Facts. <laughs> and it's because I was so proud of what Politico was doing in terms of covering what was happening in Washington. Mm-hmm. At the same time, when I heard we want to make government data accessible so mm-hmm. that we can rebuild trust in Americans so that people on different sides of the aisle can start with agreement on the same mm-hmm. facts. And mm-hmm. that could drive better debate, that could build trust, and mm-hmm. that could lead to better outcomes for Americans, right? It's a wow. democracy driven by numbers, not by party or adjectives. Yep. And I thought, like, that doesn't exist. I don't know where one would go for government data. And I have a ton of empathy for like, why don't reporters use government data? It's really hard to get, right? They're on this publish, 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 right? They've got, uh, yeah. I don't know, two hours, like they're trying to break the yeah. news. Like, mm-hmm. um, and you, I feel, uh, you know, I have a lot of empathy for politicians. I worked in sure. Capitol Hill, their staffs are tiny and yeah. they have to represent every single issue around the globe. Yeah. They don't have time to, to go and pull data. And I have empathy for my uncle who shares the craziest things on social media that I'm like, oh my gosh, like that is just not true. And you know, I have to privately message him and say, there this just the facts don't support this. Yeah. And because he doesn't have time, he sees something and he's like, this seems so wrong and I'm so upset about this. Yeah. Um, and he just shares it. And um, now he's not. Now he's like, Bobby, is this true? But I really want to share it. Um, so I have empathy for it's really hard to get government data. And yeah. our founder, Steve Ballmer, found this out himself because he left Microsoft as CEO and he mm-hmm. wanted to do more from a philanthropic perspective mm-hmm. to um, lift kids out of poverty. But he said, before mm-hmm. I do that, I'm a numbers guy. I want to mm-hmm. understand the problem. I want to understand how government is tackling poverty. I want to understand mm-hmm. what programs exist, how much it's been spent over time, what are mm-hmm. the outcomes. Mm-hmm. And folks at Microsoft said, give us a couple weeks and, and we'll get that for you. Like happy retirement gift kind of thing. Yeah, sure. And six months later, they were finally able to, to pull that data wow. together. So it took them six months. And it's like, it shouldn't take six months for somebody trying to make a data-driven decision yeah. to get that data. Steve can imagine running Microsoft. I know you can't imagine running your company without data. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gallup was all about, right, providing data to organizations from their yeah. customers, from their employees to make better decisions. Yeah. Um, and uh, we think government data should be just as accessible. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, that's so, yes, absolutely. Um, very, very, uh, well, that, that response was fantastic. So um, where where my mind is going, but I'm, I'm kind of tempering myself right now, is I, I want to really talk about what you just shared, just around data. And so one quick thing that I'll, I'll say, and we don't have to go down a rabbit hole on this today, but promise me that we'll have this conversation offline. Um, do you believe that, oh, let me, I, I will state it this way. I have, I have developed a belief um, and it came to me very clearly a couple months ago um, that I, I believe that a lot of organizations who claim to be data driven are merely data informed. Uh, I don't believe that they're actually making decisions as a result of what the data is telling them. I think that they are. I think that 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 in general, we as a society have so much data now. 
Um, but I'm not sure that we're actually using it to drive a lot of our decisions as much as we're being informed by the data. And then we kind of are choosing the data in order to make whatever decisions we want, not necessarily decisions based on what the data is telling us. Um, is it fair to say that that is kind of, you know, one of the reasons why your organization frankly exists is so once again, like we can have data and, and maybe, you know, push people and, and organizations to actually make truly data driven decisions. Definitely. I mean, are you, I think you started with the, um, are people going to cherry pick data to make their own case kind of thing? Are there's going to be bias when they're like looking at the numbers yeah. and pulling it? Yeah, probably. And even if they didn't intend to have bias, right? Yeah. Uh, it could be colored or even just the perception of, is it biased, could be yeah. colored by the audience because they know that the organizations sharing that data um, have a particular belief yeah. or uh, an outcome that they're driving toward. And um, it's interesting because when we have gone to Capitol Hill and, and met with uh, senators and members of Congress, um, yeah. yes, there are entities like think tanks or uh, even within you know the, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party have uh, entities that do research and pull data, right? But if yeah. you're trying to bring people together yeah. from different sides of the aisle, from different political parties yeah. and say, can we all agree on this data? If it's coming from an entity stamped from an entity that has a particular bent to it, um, yeah. there's going to be skepticism, even if sure. it's just the facts, right? And yep. there is this treasure trove of data. The the United States, like our taxpayers, like we yeah. pay mm -hmm. billions of dollars to <laughs> have the government collect data to track yeah. uh, the effectiveness of what we're doing, and we're just not making it available in a usable way to lawmakers yeah. or to voters. Yep. And I think. Citizens are like we are the shareholders in this country, um, yeah. and we deserve to have access to data and by the numbers. How are we yep. moving? Oh, and by the way, the government has a model for this. It's called a 10K. They mm -hmm. require publicly traded companies <laughs> for their shareholders to report yeah. in a transparent way where you can't, you, I mean, certainly. There have been bad stories of corporations cooking the books and then they get yeah. into a lot of trouble for that. Right. Sure. But um, the CEO and the CFO have to sign their name saying this is the accurate and fair accounting of the numbers for yeah. how our company is doing so that a shareholder can decide, do I invest? What change would I want to see? Mm -hmm. And shouldn't that if the government has that model for publicly traded companies to yeah. be accountable to their shareholders, shouldn't the government do that for themselves uh, on behalf sure. of their own constituents. So yeah. yes, it is, hey, deciding is this particular policy good or, um, you know, should we change direction in terms of, you know, how we've been dealing with this particular issue shouldn't be based on, well, now this party's in power, or that party was in power, or we don't like it because it was yeah. passed by that particular member of Congress. Um, it yeah. should be, is it working by the numbers? Yes or no, right? Yeah. Um, and we think there, it, it should be not that, we think that government could benefit uh, mm -hmm. by following the numbers similar to how companies do um, yeah. and that it's just should just be transparent and accessible and yeah. because we have no uh we have no mission other than empowering americans with the facts and so yeah. we aren't advocating for any particular outcome we yeah. want the facts to be accessible to everyone and i think that helps us sit 
uh, in the middle where um, we have been able to bring together senators from both parties and say, like, let's talk about our country by the numbers. And um, so it's been really, really meaningful. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, you know, so many other directions we could go. Uh, Unfortunately, time is limited today. So as as we start winding down, just pivoting us back to you know, some, some more practical and pragmatic tips for, you know, folks who are, you know, dreaming big, making decisions, you know, it maybe even driving organizations, um, you know, speaking of the numbers, right? Um, you know, can you, what advice can you give to folks? Um, you know, we talked about the checklist for you kind of making decisions, um, but have you found, uh, as you've transitioned, is there any sort of uh, philosophy that you have for, you know, say like leaving an organization better than when you came or, you know, in anything along those lines that people can kind of, um, you know, tap into and maybe hold on to as they continue to think about navigating. Because if they find an amazing problem to solve that has great market share in an organization that they, you know, believe in or values, you know, kind of coincide with their own, I think that you've been very clear that those are, you know, some facts that, you know, folks should uh, consider uh, as part of that. But just any kind of, you know, mantras for, you know, the organizations that, you know, you're you're kind of leaving and moving into a new one or frankly, even maybe even just mantras for starting with a new organization. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably sound pretty basic, but one I would say is treat people with kindness, treat people with mm-hmm. respect. Right. Um, and you don't want to burn a bridge, yeah. let alone just be somebody who um, is kind of forgettable, right? Like, um, uh, they were fine. They like kind of got to themselves or they had sharp elbows at worst, right? Sure. And look, we're still in touch after all of these years from being at Gallup. And yeah. um, it's treat people with kindness because you just never know when your path's going to cross again in the future. And yeah. so um, give that give that respect, treat people with kindness, try to be helpful. Um, mm. I worked with a I worked for uh, David Bradley, Atlantic Media, who called it a spirit of generosity. Treat mm. people with a spirit of generosity. Be helpful. Mm-hmm. Be kind. And that was for your customers and to your fellow employees. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say the second thing is, like, focus on the job. Yes, dream big. Dream of that next job. But what I find sometimes uh, gets in people's way is they're yeah. so busy dreaming about the next job. And it's all about a promotion mm. that they're not doing a great job in the job they have, right? Yeah. And so um, do really focus on the job you have, knock it Mm -hmm. out of the park, and then start doing things that are above and beyond the title that you have or the job Mm -hmm. you have. That's Mm going to get you noticed for the promotion, right? And of course, when the promotion comes, I'm not saying you'll just be noticed, don't worry about it. Raise your hand. But when you (laughs) raise your hand, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that person. They're all, they've been doing an amazing job. Um, And we keep seeing them do other things that are above and beyond. They're coaching and mentoring others. They're always offering when there's like the project that needs to get done at the last minute. They are always like, hey, how can I help? Right. And yeah, yeah, of course, they're natural for like this next job. Um, And so I think between like treating people with kindness and like Mm -hmm. being someone who is awesome in the job that they have like yeah. those two things not only will like offer uh, open opportunities where you are but like i think for both of us but for me right i got that call from politico from a former gallup employee who was like hey mm. i kind of wow. knew you like you were you were 
kind and um yeah. you did a good job and yeah. uh, i know i need somebody here uh, and so you <laughs> came to mind right like it will yeah. it will open doors for you yeah yeah i mean we are so aligned on that and and uh you know how i've seen it kind of manifest you know in my own life and i've encouraged others to do it which is basically just a a, a reframe of what you just stated is i believe that momentum is a real thing and it is impossible for you to you know uh, not be present in the current role that you are and so if you will like downshifting in the current role that you are and then somehow believing that you will hit the ground running in whatever your next opportunity is is that is is highly improbable i, I don't like to say anything's impossible but just highly improbable and so i think that there's so much power into leaning into the roles and responsibilities that you have to the point where you're able to then carry that momentum into the next organization or opportunity that you have um, because it therein is the only true way that you can kind of hit the ground running which is beneficial for the organization that you're joining the alumni network for uh, just as much as you know kind of uh, maybe just from a character perspective you're kind of carrying that on into your new opportunity or new organization so poppy mcdonald it has been such a pleasure my friend um you know thank you for the nuggets and the gems stopping by the only dream big pod today uh it's been absolutely amazing having you thank you to all the listeners we appreciate you all for tuning in every week uh this has been the only dream big podcast we'll see you next week